Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Learn With Sue Walk and Talk. My name is Sue Langley and it's great to have you listening in to our podcast. So in today's episode, we have a snippet of the fabulous Learn With Sue in conversation session we had with Kim Cameron. Kim is one of the leaders in the area of positive organizational scholarship and was researching what is best in organizations and leaderships before there was an official positive psychology focus. So Kim has a very gentle, intelligent style and he takes us on a journey into what the research tells us about bringing positive leadership into our businesses, organizations, communities. And our discussion explores all sorts of things to do with relational energy and the heliotropic effect and really looking at how organizations and leaders and individuals can flourish within. I love the heliotropic effect and often talk about it and Kim personifies it beautifully in this wonderful conversation. So I hope you'll allow yourself to be drawn towards the life-giving energy of the fabulous Kim Cameron. Let's have a listen. Beautiful and thanks Ted. All right, it is on the hour so we will kick off. So welcome to our first session of our Learn With Sue Expert in Conversations uh, for 2022. Um, it is an absolute pleasure to be joined um, by the fabulous Dr. Kim Cameron and we were just saying the last time we actually saw each other was at the Melbourne conference back in, oh, I think it was 2019, that's such a worry. <laughs> So, um, Kim, welcome to all of our fabulous people here. Um, they will have lots of questions, I'm sure, that are going to come through in the chat. But I wanted to kick off. We've had a chance to have a little bit of a hello this morning. I want to kick off with why did you get started in the positive organizational scholarship realm? What a wonderful question, Sue. And I just have to start by thanking you for allowing me to be on this extraordinary, spectacular positive experience. I mean, this is a big deal for me to be invited. I'm very flattered by you. You've had extraordinary guests in the past and uh, I'm not sure I'm gonna measure up, but I'll uh, tell you <laughs> nevertheless what I've been doing. You've already so, measured up. <laughs> <laughs> so for about 10 years, I was studying what happens to organizations when they downsize. This happened to be a long time ago, but there was a big recession. And in the United States, at least, there were lots and lots of layoffs, you know, people struggling uh, with work, engagement scores were in the tank, and so on. Well, for 10 years, I studied organizations that were downsizing, consolidating, retrenching, and so on. We've kind of been through some of that in a dramatic way now. The results of that research were that 80 to 90% of organizations that downsize deteriorate in performance. Productivity goes down, morale goes down, trust goes down, willingness to support one another goes down, selfishness and a whole bunch of things. I, I wrote a couple of articles in which I talked about the dirty dozen, 12 negative dysfunctional things. Well, however, at the end of that 10 years or so, there were some number of organizations, 10 or 15%, that flourished after downsizing. And the question became, well, what's the difference? Why is it that some organizations get a lot better and almost everyone else doesn't? Mm -hmm. 
I didn't have empirical data, but I developed a very clear impression. And that was the organizations that improved were what I referred to as virtuous in their actions and their culture. They had embedded in the organization's culture itself ideas of empathy and compassion and gratitude and high trust and forgiving mistakes, and kindness, helping people flourish, and so on. Now, we're talking about a lot of years ago, and it was just not legitimate yep. to do research on what are you talking about, Cameron, virtuousness and so on. Well, I gave a presentation in a professional meeting um, just before I accepted the job to be the dean of a business school. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take a risk and tell about what I think this research is showing because I'm certain that they'll laugh me off the stage, but it's okay. I'm going to go be a dean anyway. I'll never have to come back here. <laughs> Love it. Well, I had someone call me up at the end of that talk and say, uh, I was listening to your talk and one of the topics that you were discussing was the idea of forgiveness of mistakes mm -hmm. and looking using mistakes as a learning opportunity, looking toward a positive, optimistic future rather than the reverse. You, you know, there's a foundation that's funding research on forgiveness. You might be interested. Well, I've never passed up an opportunity to have research funded. So <laughs> I... <laughs> I wrote a research proposal, got funded. Now, the trouble is I went to become a dean. But I thought, well, I'll get some graduate students to take on this task, and then I'll sort of be an advisor, and we can you know, get the work done. Nobody would touch it. It was way <laughs> too out of the stream. Yep. So it just sat, that research grant just sat there, literally. I was a dean for six years. I came back to Michigan after that six years. I called up the, the foundation and said, I haven't done the research, but I want to, and I'm now back on the faculty. And they said, we want you to do the research because you're the only non-psychologist that we funded. I mean, most forgiveness research has to do with me forgiving you, yeah. the transformation that occurs in my own psyche or on my own, my own emotions. But they said, we want to know what you're talking about when you apply this at organization level. So I started to do that research. Now, coming back from being a dean, a lot of my colleagues said, okay, nice to have you back, Cameron. What are you doing research on? I would start to describe this, and their eyes would glass over, thinking, what <laughs> in the world happened to you? You know, you just lost it. However, I have a really good friend, Jane Dutton, on the faculty here. Jane had created something she called a compassion lab, a group of doctoral students and a few others who were doing research on compassion at the organization level, not the individual level. That was cued, by the way, by a major fire in an apartment building. A group of students who were going to Michigan in the business school had all of their findings destroyed. Most of them were foreign students. And the institution itself responded in ways that were just wonderful. I mean, the, the most compassionate thing you can imagine. Students shared uh, notes with them from classes. People donated clothing. The business school has an executive residence. They put these students in the executive residence free of charge, provided meals and all kinds of things 
for a period of time until they could finally recover back on their own uh, on their own uh, dollar. Anyway, Jane was cued by saying, you know, that's compassion at the organization level. Forgiveness at the organization level. There are a lot of examples. I won't take time. I'm talking too much, but um, I started studying uh, forgiveness at the organization level. And we said to ourselves, you know, there's something common about what we're doing. Mm. And we have another friend who is doing research on what called deep change. Bob Quinn. Yeah. So we said, we have to learn from each other. We got to figure out what it is that we're so excited about, but what's in common. Now the default option in academic institutions is to go do your own, close your door and do your own work, write your own papers. So we said, we can't allow that to happen. So we're going to we'll form a center. That's the only way we know to combine our interests together. So we created the Center for Positive Organization Scholarship. It's been changed now to Center for Positive Organizations. But that then created momentum for us to do lots of other work together. And that's been going on for about 20 years or so. But that's how, that's a long story. That's <laughs> how, and the word positive. And interestingly, because we were focusing on organizations, we didn't even know that Marty Seligman existed. Yeah. That is, positive psychology wasn't even on our radar until all of a sudden we started, you know, the Gallup organization actually funded two or three of those early meetings, which we went to and we started saying, gee, there's, there's a whole field of study much broader than what we're doing and we just need to make certain that we're all combining what we know mm -hmm make progress and so it sort of has turned out to be great it has i totally agree and what's really interesting about what you say is um i've spoken to several people obviously um ed dina who unfortunately has now passed he found exactly the same thing when he started nobody wanted to know what he was wanting to study ellen langer when she started everybody was like oh you're just a bit weird um so it's interesting right. if we fast forward sort of 30 years now so many people playing in this space and the whole um, area of positive psychology positive organizational scholarship has really expanded um, it still occurs I think uh, it was only about three years ago I had a client invite me in to talk about doing some positive leadership programs and I said I walked them through the framework and I said you know we'll talk about compassion and forgiveness and gratitude and they went oh you can't use those words here so, you know, we're not all the way there yet, but I do think that we're getting there. So sort of fast forward, um, you know, to sort of where you are now. How have you seen the, the sort of the range of research really um, develop and start to help people in this space? Yeah, that's, a, a, that's really an important question. So um, I encounter a lot of people a lot of times <clears throat> who and they're, they're uh, CEO, senior level execs or lawyers or scientists or engineers. And it's not unusual for them to say something like this. Look, Cameron, this soupy, syrupy, saccharine, sweet positivity stuff is just a deflection. I mean, it's false positivity. You're telling things are, things are going south. I mean, the COVID is taking all kinds of tolls emotionally and physically and so on, on the rest of us. And you're telling us to just think happy thoughts and just be nice. Baloney. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got bottom line results I have to pay attention to. I'm, I'm serious about you know, employee welfare. I'm serious about um, 
customer satisfaction, customer loyalty. I'm, I'm, I have to worry about profits and, and quality and productivity and so on. If you could actually show me that, that the way you're doing is relevant to what I'm accountable for, I might pay attention. Otherwise, this is just a feel-good side trip. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, that has been uh, the focus of this 20 years of research. Mm. The bottom line we're finding is when you implement in an organization, when you implement positive practices and the virtuous kind of activities we've talked about, and we create what I sometimes refer to as an abundance culture, which is essentially virtuous activity embedded in the system. It's just what, they, just what we do here. Unequivocal evidence. Productivity goes up substantially. Profitability goes up substantially. Sometimes, in fact, in some of the studies, four or five times industry average. I mean, so much higher than the norm that people say, whoa, I can't even believe that happened. Quality goes up, fewer errors, less waste. Innovation goes up, creativity, innovation, new product development. Customer satisfaction, customer loyalty. When given a choice, customers pick that organization. And employee well-being, employee retention, and so on. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the kind of stuff people are held accountable for in that C-suite. So the number one uh, um, finding that I, I just like a lot <laughs> is that the implementation of positive leadership, positive practices, positive organization practices creates bottom line impact for which people are held accountable. That's the business case for why you ought to pay attention. Yeah, and and to your point, Kim, I think you're exactly right. Over the because of the research over the last twenty odd years, we've got that data, we've got that information. And Susie has popped a really good question in there. How do you address defensiveness? And I think your point, your answer is exactly that. Is if people want to see the evidence. There's plenty of evidence there. Um, and I know in some of your books, uh, Bob Quinn has some of his stuff as well. Um, and I thought I'd bring, if anybody really wants to get into it, then uh, the handbook of um, positive organizational scholarship will have stuff in as well. Um, but when you think about then uh, those leaders, if you're able to sort of get them over the line and they understand it, because to your point, I always think when people think it's sugary and syrupy and, and you know fluffy, I know they don't understand what it is. Um, so when you get people over the line, what are some of the areas that you would first start with? So uh, it's just my, it's just idiosyncratic. It's just for me, it's not the way everybody does it, but I try to start with data. I mean, I feel like, you know, people say to me, well, I'm skeptical, Cameron. And I say to myself, well, I'm skeptical. I mean, I, I'm not, uh, I don't believe automatically some whatever, uh, you know, magazine article or even a Harvard Business Review article, or I just was reading something earlier today, literally why somebody said, or somebody said, here are the five secrets to great leadership. Well, okay, people have been studying this for 50 years. I'm glad we finally got the five secrets. I'm, I'm just, I'm skeptical of those kinds of things. Me too. So I need data. And boy, the data is overwhelming. I mean, the data goes, ranges from the studies of children ages three months old and starting at three months old, who for a very quick illustration. So children three months old sitting on a caregiver's lap, watch a puppet show 
for maybe 20 seconds. Puppet tries to walk across the stage, tries to climb a hill, tries to open a box. Then you have two other puppets. One tries to help, encourage support. The other tries to hinder, puts a block up, it can't make up the hill, jumps on the box, can't open the box. Then after 20 seconds or so, you bring these two puppets out, put it in front of the child, and the child can select whichever puppet he or she wants to play with. 90% of the time, the, the child selects the puppet that tries to help rather than tries to hinder. And that's been replicated many times in many different circumstances. And the conclusion, and by the way, one of those articles is in Nature Magazine among the most prestigious scientific journals. Conclusion is from the time you are three months old, there is an inherent tendency toward the positive mm -hmm. and away from the reverse. So, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so as it turns out from that level, all the way to, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know when I keep a gratitude journal or when an organization attempts to foster uh, contribution more than achievement goals embedded in their system and so on. I mean, a big range of three months old to CEO strategy. The data just keeps piling up that this stuff actually works. Mm -hmm. And so far, not, uh, not to believe that it won't ever happen, so far, no disconfirming evidence. I have yet to see a study that disconfirms any of this. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm uh, for me, I need the data and the data is really there. Well, thank you so much for listening to that fabulous snippet from Kim. There is another 45 minutes of that brilliant conversation. So thank you for listening to the Learn With Sue Walk and Talk podcast. And if you would like to listen to more of that wonderful conversation with Kim, as well as recordings with many other experts, our live events and live sessions, our courses, our research reviews, and much, much more, please check us out at Learn With Sue com.au and consider becoming a member of our global learning community where we are all about how can we be the best that we can be wishing you a fabulous week ahead and see you soon